Hey, what's going on? Here we go. Here we go on a Tuesday. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies, tell everybody. We are on one today. We got Indiana taking on Iowa. Can Indiana, it's an interesting game. In fact, I'm going to get into it in a little bit here. It might be the most interesting game from a coaching slash psychological standpoint that you'll ever see. But we'll get into that in a minute. I got to tell you, you know I hate the media. You know I hate the Indy Star. The Indy Star has lied about me. Dana Bimbao, Bimbao Hunsaker wrote a story about me calling a kid a meth head. Two years later, she dug up some kid. I don't know if she paid her. I don't know what she did, but all of a sudden it was a lie. Poor kid. You know our guy Greg Doyle, awful human being, adulterer, stalker, the whole deal. Horrible human being. So I can't stand the media. And it's not just the Indy Star, it's the national media. And this, ladies and gentlemen, look me in the eye. This is a battle between insane and sane. All right, now the sane are starting to come back and win. They are. I'm not saying it's happening, oh, I don't know, quickly. But the sane are starting to get the W's. You know that Wuhan virus that if you said the China virus or the Wuhan virus, we actually listened to idiots that said you were racist. If you said China virus, maybe you still are racist if you say China virus. I don't know, and I don't care. I've had enough. Oh, you're racist. It came from bats having sex with dogs. Remember, and then they tried to put that monkey virus on us, and then we said, wait a second here. You guys want to have gay orgies. We don't care. Don't tell. Hey, look, you want to get rid of the monkey virus? Don't have a gay orgy. They tried that one. That was an attempt, and it got swatted away by the sane. Even the insane couldn't get down with a gay orgy virus. Like, hey, look, you don't want to get monkey virus? Don't have three guys in a pile with some lotion. You know what I mean? It's pretty, it's pretty easy. But the China virus, the Wuhan virus, now we're learning that, of course, the China virus, the Wuhan virus came from, guess what? China, Wuhan. And John Stewart, who I really don't watch, I never watched, but he's pretty good in this. This is back a year or two when he appeared with one of those idiots, uh, Colbert, I think is his name. And John Stewart got vilified for being racist. You're racist. Against China. Why do we care about China? They're killing their own people. They put a virus in our airstream. Here was John Stewart get a few years ago, and he got crushed for this. What, what, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like well, this, so this, perhaps a, this, there's a chance that this was created in a lab? There's an investigation. A chance? Well, but I, so, I, 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 oh my if God. there's evidence, I'd love to hear it. There's I don't a know. novel respiratory coronavirus overtaking Wuhan, China. What do we do? Oh, you know who we could ask? The Wuhan novel respiratory coronavirus lab. The disease is the same name as the lab. That's just, that's just a little too weird, don't you think? And then they ask those scientists, they're like, how did this... So wait a minute, you work at the Wuhan respiratory coronavirus lab. How did this happen? And they're like, mm, a pangolin kissed a turtle. And you're like, no. I, you. You, the wait, name wait, of your lab. If you look at the name, look at the name. Can I? Let me see your business card. Show me your business card. Oh, 
I work at the coronavirus lab in Wuhan. Oh, because there's a coronavirus loose in Wuhan. How did that happen? Maybe a bat flew into the cloaca of a turkey and then it sneezed into my chili and now we all have coronavirus. Like, come on. Okay, wait okay, a second. Okay. Wait a second. Wait a what second. about this? What about wait this? Listen to this. Wait a second. All right. John. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. There's been an outbreak of chocolatey goodness near Hershey, Pennsylvania. What do you think happened? Like, oh, I don't know. Maybe a steam shovel made it with a cocoa bean. Or it's the chocolate factory. Maybe that's it. That could be. That could be. Is there a little bigger batch than Stephen Colbert right there? He's hanging on. That can be. That can be. That is awesome. Of course, he got vilified for that. Of course, he was called racist. Of course, the insane among us lost their minds. And you know what? People paid attention. People actually paid attention to the insane. Let me just give my life's theory. You know, sack up is one of my life's theory. No good deed goes unpunished. Be careful what you wish for and never follow the insane. If it is, it is. Facts aren't racist. Well, I mean, if we really talked about murder rates and who's committing murder, we would be considered racist. I'm not touching that until it's safe and it's not safe yet. Even <laughs> even working uh, at OutKick, I don't think talking about murder rates and what really should be done, nah, that, that would be too much. But now we're learning that the Wuhan virus actually came from Wuhan. We're learning that it actually did come from China. We're learning that actually, uh, what's his face, uh, was right. Donald Trump was right. See, the crazy people in this world will never, and I mean never, say, you know what? I was wrong. We were wrong. You never hear it. Again, why did I talk about the Indy Star? Instead of the Indy Star and... Uh, Greg Doyle and Dana Hunsager Bemba saying I was wrong. They dug up some college kid to say, yeah, everybody in town thought I was a meth head. I'm just telling you. I use my personal experiences a lot. You just can't. Hey, look, we're wrong. We, we were wrong. Uh, we were absolutely. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Trump was right. We were wrong. We don't like Orange Man. So everything he said was going to be put away. There's a lady, and apparently she's very popular. She has like a million five Twitter handlers. Her name is Nicole D. Wallace. She is uh, Dateline White House you know, on MSNBC, and she went into a big rant back in the day about it. And Maze, Maisie is talking about it, and I love Maisie. It's fantastic. Uh, so you know what? Maisie, to me, uh, is great. And she basically said, look, you'll never hear her apologize. Of course you'll never hear her apologize. There's no chance you'll ever hear anybody apologize. But that's the way the world works. All right. Uh, we're going to get to a couple headlines before our friend Danny Mack. And of course, Clay Travis is going to join us today. The boss who had to endure the hate of Alabama. Oh my God. Little white kids with parted hair, little sorority girls hating you. Oh, I couldn't even only imagine. I could only imagine. It's like I told Eric Gordon, the great basketball player, when Illinois fans were chanting, we hate you. I go, Eric, let's stand right here. Let's look at who's yelling at you. Look at that little fat white kid right there. 
that little fat white kid's going to be a, oh, I don't know, let's say an accountant in Schomburg. Is he going to bother you? You're going to be in the NBA making millions. So if the little fat white kid right there bothers you, Alabama fans all look alike. They're all little white douchebag-looking kids with big hair parted this way, kind of down here. They all, you know what, and frankly, uh, they're all awful. I watched that Alex Murdoch thing last night, and I got to tell you, they all remind me of him. Like the whole family of Murdoch's remind me of Alabama fans, not in the crimes they commit, but in how they look. It's unbelievable. Like you got the hair, you got the D-bad look. I call it a very punchable face. The entire Murdoch family has a punchable face. They like You're just like, what? Boom. What? Boom. That's all. And that's how Alabama fans are. So they hate Clay Travis. They love murder. They love hitting women. Actually, they probably just love winning. If, in fact, Alabama had been bad, they would have gotten rid of that kid immediately. I love this story. There is a basketball team. I love this story. It's the difference between sane and insane. Okay? A transgender gal plays at a Christian or plays on a basketball team. A Christian high school said, no, we ain't playing. We are not playing. Uh, we're not doing it. We, we don't want to do it. We will not do it. It ain't happening. And they forfeited. You know what? Good for them. Good for them. Look, you have the right to say, hold on a second here. Uh, let me see. Uh, you're a dude. Uh, you're a dude, and we're not playing against dudes because this is, let me look, girls basketball. Yeah, let me look again. Girls basketball. Girls basketball team, Christian, and you look, in my world, you're allowed to be who you are. In my world, if you are a Christian and you don't want to or feel religiously that, you know what, uh, it is not in our faith to play these people. It is not right to play these people. Well, guess what? You shouldn't. Who are these people? Transgender. I mean, it ain't that hard. I mean, the, whole, the these people thing is something that always jumps up, right? Who are these people? Meaning like I'm racist or sexist or something like that. No, these people are very clear. I mean, look, transgender people. So a Christian high school doesn't want to play a transgender team. So they forfeited the game. All right. And guess what? The biological male's team advance. That's the definition of sanity versus insanity. That is by definition. We've got girls basketball. We got a dude playing on girls basketball team. We've got a Christian school saying, hey, look, we ain't doing it. Sanity. We got a dude playing in the girls insanity. And guess who wins? The head of the Mid-Vermont Christian School, Vicki Vogue, argued it was unfair and unsafe for her girls to compete against a biological male. We withdraw from the tournament because we believe playing against an opponent with a biological male jeopardizes the fairness of the game and safety of our players. Allowing biological males to participate in women's sports is a bad precedent for the future of women's sports in general, and every sane woman knows this. The Eagles forfeit, said long trail to the quarterfinals against the number four seed. All right. 
you had to, and this is insanity, you had to bow to a dude playing on a girls' team or you lost. I would hope that the next team for it, let them win a state championship. Let them win a state championship. You know what? It is the difference between sane, girls' basketball played by girls, and insane. We got a dude. Why doesn't the dude who's transitioning to a chick, why doesn't he, she play with the guys? I've said this forever. Women transitioning to men play with the women. Men transitioning to women play with the women. How is that possible? Again, insane. The world is nuts, and I am here to make damn sure that you know that we are always here at OutKick on the side of sanity. Well, then you're phobic. Whatever. Who cares? Who ranks the rankers? You know what I'm saying? Like, who ranks the rankers? Who ranks the people that are calling you names? Who, who ranks those people? Who puts those people somewhere? The world is in a battle. It is in a battle between sanity and insanity. And the new Vermont Christian school, you are saying, period. I don't know what to tell you. And by the way, the China virus came from Wuhan. Masks don't work. I am glad I got the shot. I will argue with people. I don't know whether the shot works or not. But I've had corona twice. I'm not going to lie. I felt better having the shot. I'm not trying to argue with anybody. I felt better. You may not. You may think the shot's awful, but I, I did. I, I felt better. I'm sorry. Uh, Danny Mack, is he ready? If Danny Mack is ready, I will go to him. But the combine starts this week because I want to make sure I get in on Danny Mac because I love Danny Mac. Uh, Danny Mac is good people. Danny Mac is great people. Dan McNeil, you know him, you love him, you want him in Chicago radio. Nobody better than Danny Mac. Nobody in the history of radio has been better than Danny Mac. Don't at me about Danny Mac. Been through the ringer. We've all been through the ringer. You get our age, we all been through the ringer. Who cares? It's a battle between sanity and insanity. Danny Mac posted uh, way back, and probably doesn't want me to bring this up, but it's sanity versus insanity. I said that I was not going, quote, at it in a pool with a woman that wasn't my wife. Uh, that got me canceled. Danny Mac made a cryptic tweet, who cares? And all of a sudden, Jalen Rose and a bunch of little punks on TV are genuflecting to Maria Taylor. And don't think for a second not one second that that whole thing wasn't orchestrated by Maria Taylor. Maria Taylor got Rachel Nichols out, orchestrated that. It's all insanity. I am in a battle for sane versus insane. Danny Mac has always been sane. Nobody knows Chicago better than Danny Mac. We're very proud to have my friend Dan McNeil on the show. I'm not even introducing you because I just gave you a great introduction. So let's go. Man. Are the Bears going to <laughs> trade the number one pick? Breaking news. The Bears are going to move that number one pick. There's no question about it, Doc. And they're going to play the game at the Combine like they're incredibly interested in either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. In fact, I suggest they should take him. They should get their own suite for the two of them at St. Elmo's for the entire three or four days. If everybody's going to be on hand, they should create the ruse. They're interested and maybe they should be interested because I'm not on board with Justin Fields as 
it seems like 80% of Chicagoland is right now. He has a long way to go to develop as a passer, to be effective. He made progress, but he is still a run-first quarterback. And because the Chiefs upended Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, there still has yet to be a run-first quarterback to take a confetti shower in 57 Super Bowl games. So if the Bears did fall in love with C.J. Stroud, I think that would be a smart move. But I don't think that's going to be what happens. They will trade down, and maybe it will be with the Indianapolis Colts who have the fourth pick in round one. All right. You know the Bears better than anybody in Chicago that isn't in that building every day. So let me ask you a very simple question. In your mind, you mentioned the Colts. What will it take for a team to pry the number one pick out of the Bears' hands? I think it's going to take at least that team's pick in the same round this year and probably two number ones down the road. I can't see them parting company with the one for less than that. That seems to be the standard. They forfeited a couple of number ones to get Jay Cutler in Chicago back in 09. There have been a couple of occasions. And sometimes I get confused with what actually happened in the NFL versus what happened in draft day when the Seattle Seahawks made that dramatic deal with Kevin Costner at Cleveland Browns, and uh, they passed on Bo Callahan, the All-American quarterback out of Wisconsin. <laughs> I love that bad movie, Doc, so I, I can't remember which is reality and which is that, uh, that classically bad, uh, wonderfully bad film. But it's going to take quite a bit, and the Bears have a lot of teams by the short and curlies with this one. It looks like Houston is in love with Bryce Young. At least that's the early buzz, and that bodes well for Colts fans, in my opinion, because I'd never draft a guy that high at 190 pounds and shorter than Drew Brees was. Uh, My guy, Jimmy Ursay, spilled the beans a little bit. Everybody thinks, I'm not sure... Uh, with Bryce Young as well. I'm going to go, I'm going to stay with the Bears before I get into your picks at quarterback. Um, Justin Fields, you mentioned him. You think he's a long ways off. You said 80% of Chicago agrees with you or 80% of Chicago is all in on Justin Fields? No, 80% of the people here and most media are really behind fields with the navy and orange pom-poms fully shaken on Mondays, even after losses. He didn't make the same progress in his second year some of the other young quarterbacks have made, including Jalen Hurts. And I know Hertz had a ton of help around him. That was a general manager win for the Eagles getting to the Super Bowl this past year with all they added to make life easy on Jalen Hurts. And they had three all-pro offensive linemen in addition to A.J. Brown and a couple of versatile running backs. But um, Chicago is, is just, I think, so wanting to believe that it finally can shake the ghosts of Sid Luckman and and the punky QB, Jim McMahon, and all of the underachieving years with Jay Cutler. They're so willing. It's it, To me, it's willful delusion. They're just convincing themselves that this is the guy, even though he still takes way too many sacks. If he plays like he did last year again this coming season, he's not going to make it to November. 
He took way too many beatings. He himself recognized that. And he's done a much better job, Dan, in terms of keeping the eyes downfield when he's extending plays and not just tucking it to run. But he still doesn't feel pressure very well. And I don't know if that's something guys get a whole lot better at. I think a lot of great quarterbacks have talked about that being sort of an intrinsic thing. Either you have it or you don't. He also overthrows receivers regularly and doesn't see the field as well as he needs to. I know he's had no help with him, but it seems to me he also has a ton of progress yet to be made if he's ever going to be a full-time franchise quarterback because he's not right now. Follow my man, Danny Mack, if you are a football fan, sports fan, gambler, a fan of good people, at Danny Mack Show. And he has a wonderful podcast sponsored by Bet Rivers. Just go to Bet Rivers Sportsbook and the Danny Mack podcast is second to none. All right. You said... I wouldn't draft Bryce Young. Let's let's take a broader outside of Chicago view. I'm sitting here in Indianapolis. Sake of argument, every one of these young quarterbacks is available to the Colts. Who are you taking? I'm taking C.J. Stroud. And I know at Ohio State, and this and maybe there's a little bit of a hangover effect having watched Fields these last two years. There isn't always, in fact, there isn't, for a long time, a record of very successful quarterbacks at the next level. I don't look at it that way, but I'm wondering, maybe there's a part of bias here, and maybe that's why I'm a bit reluctant, but what I've seen of C.J. Stroud at Ohio State, he's got NFL size, he's got a terrific arm, Uh, I think he's a very smart player, he's a very seasoned player, and that bodes well for the Colts. He's a big dude, um, but he's not always going to need to run you over to be effective when he's extending plays, too. And I think that's a problem. So many bigger running quarterbacks. And, and you know, you both remember Dante Culpepper of the Vikings. He was a force early in his NFL career, but it was short-lived because of all the beatings he took. I think Stroud is the best of this year's bunch, but I do qualify it, Doc, by saying I don't watch as much college football as I used to. Um, I, I love the game. I, I'm I'm very predi- provincial in terms of what I do watch. I'm a Big Ten Notre Dame guy, even though the, the league isn't as, as good as I'd like it to be and certainly hasn't been the SEC historically. But that's my pick. I'd go C.J. Stroud if I were sitting in Jimmy Ursay's chair. Well, I, I, the one thing, I don't, I don't pretend to know. Like, I asked a kid, Tyus Powell, who played on national championship teams. I was on his show, and I asked him, I said, all right, you know, he's a Ohio State guy. Tell me about Stroud. You know, he's inconsistent, but good. I don't pretend to know, you know, the ins and outs, Danny, but I do know this. And I went through a list. Trubisky, you guys saw Trubisky. Trey Lance, Baker Mayfield, uh, Jake Locker. Ponder. I mean, the list is full. I don't have my entire list here. I wish I kept it here. The list is full of the I'm moving up in the draft guy, right? All of a sudden, Trubisky interviews, and he's, you know, the all-American child. You know, he's Captain America. I don't want on my team the move up in the draft at the combine guy, Danny Mac. 
<laughs> I totally understand it. And uh, you know what I think of the guys who have prospered the most in the history of the NFL combine, the guy I think of, and this, a lot of your listeners may not remember this guy, Mike Mamula, a pass rusher from the Philadelphia oh. Eagles, who is a kid from Boston <laughs> yes. College. He, and actually, the pronunciation was supposed to be Mamula, but they always called him Mamula. And he was one of those guys who shot up like a dart because, boy, did he look good in his underwear. He could jump off those boxes with the best of them, man. You give him the cones, and he looked fast, and they had to have him. And you know what? I don't think he ever busted double digits in sacks one year in his NFL career. It was a huge mistake. And I've talked to a lot of GMs. And head coaches who have said, yeah, we fall in love with guys at the Combine and it bites somebody in the ass every damn year. Ron Rivera of the Commanders, the Washington Commanders, damn it. Don't call them the Redskins, despite what Chief Tecumseh might have thought of that term many, many years ago. Don't listen to an actual Native American. Just rip the decals off the helmets, Doc. He told me they fell in love. With the kid from Ohio State a few years ago who passed away, Dwayne Haskins, this past summer, they fell in love with his arm at the Combine. He could sling it across the stadium, and he wasn't an NFL quarterback. He couldn't read defenses, and he didn't have that um, that part of the game that's essential at the highest level. So it's easy to get duped in Indianapolis. I am a big fan, and I worked with Samantha Ponder. And I got to know Christian Ponder. And I, I always told Samantha, I like your husband more than I like you. I you know, like, get out of here. But you could talk to Christian Ponder for two minutes and know he did not have it for an NFL quarterback. I'd hire him. I wish he married my daughter. But you, I don't care how far you could throw it. You could talk to him for two minutes if you ever coached or played or paid attention. I'm worried about Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all of a sudden, here we go, Danny Mac. Mitchell Trubisky, part 10. Yeah. Boy, you're speaking my language when it comes to NFL quarterbacks, too, when you just talk to them. And I, I don't know if it's unfair on our part to judge a guy when we are not in his inner circle. What's most important, the only thing that really is important is how those other 10 guys in the huddle view that man. But when you just visit with a guy standing across from him, and he rubs you in several minutes as you just articulated. And he doesn't strike you as a guy who is capable of leading other men, a guy who is very self-assured. It's really hard for me to buy into that guy running an NFL offense. And that's exactly what my impression of Mitch Trubisky was coming out of North Carolina. It wasn't just the fact he only had 11 or 12 NCAA starts under his belt. It's that he didn't inspire confidence. He was a, a sheepish rube who just had to look over his shoulder at who might be listening to every answer he was going to give. And in no way is a guy like that capable of getting those 10 other monsters to get behind him and believe he's the man. Danny, I'm like, man, I, you sit in an NFL huddle, 
You better be a dude's dude, man. I'm just saying. I mean, you know, you can be a millennial, skinny jeans wearing, trim my beard, have every answer freaking scripted. Bottom line, you better be a dude's dude. Tom Brady, nobody can chug a beer like Tom Brady. You know, I mean, you just, all right, let's go through a couple of things. How long till the Bears can compete? And in your expert opinion, where's Aaron Rodgers playing next year? Uh, I'll take the last one first. I, I'd be surprised if Rodgers doesn't doesn't wind up staying in Green Bay. It's just, it's too hard of a deal to move. Um, if there if there's a team that makes sense for him to go elsewhere, it would be the Jets. That would be my bet if he leaves Green Bay. But I suspect he'll go through it one more year in Green Bay. It's the same drama we're getting on an annual basis we got with his predecessor, Brett Favre, um, and Jordan Love. Just like Aaron Rodgers was 15 years ago, is sitting, waiting, pissed off, wanting to get that chance. And I think if you write off Jordan Love because of a rocky start, you're silly. Look what Geno Smith did with the Seahawks. He only had a chance for a couple of years when he was with the Jets. He bounced around. He was a punchline for the next six or seven years, and then he easily won the Comeback Player of the Year award. So as for the Bears, how quick, you ask, can it can it happen? Man, they are sitting in such a great position in this offseason. They have more than $100 million of salary cap space, and they have draft equity up the ass. They're going to move that number one and get multiples, not only for this year, but for next They did lose a second-round pick by trading for the great Chase Claypool in weeks five or six of this past NFL season, and it didn't look like he and Fields developed any chemistry whatsoever. Now, there were injuries to both of them intermittently, so maybe you give them a little bit of a mulligan. But they better get a pass rusher. They better get somebody on that front seven to help out because I have not seen a Bears defense as impotent as last year's was, which makes me real curious about Matt Eberflus. Uh, I don't blame him for the roster being what it is, but where was the development of your defensive players? You are a defensive-minded coach who got the job because your Colts led the league in takeover margin the previous year. What are? Where are those turnovers? Where are the pressures? They didn't happen this year. He didn't make anybody on that front seven better. I guess I haven't answered Last. the question completely. Uh, I just say they could be in a they could put themselves in a position to be a wild card team with if they make some really good decisions and Ryan Poles spends that free agency money wisely. Unfortunately, it's a crappy year for wide receivers at wide out. Juju Smith Schuster's the best of the bunch. And after the crap he pulled after the Super Bowl, I don't know if I – yeah, I'd say, I put up with that. There's a lot of other worse things you could have. It was immature, but that's what wide receivers do, right? They act immaturely. I think the Bears could be as good as a wild card contender this year. All right. You mentioned Eberflus. I think I've told you. My wife grew up with him, family, friends. I like him. Seems like a nice guy. Never met him, but I t- – I, I, I got to tell you, I never, ever, ever have thought that, and I, and I talked to Rick Venturi and other guys, I'm not all in. I'm not, I, the defensive numbers, great. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. I'm just not all in on it. And I, I saw him 
I know him. I don't know. I'm not all in. I'm not all in. I'm unconvinced as well. Um, and I, I have not had the chance yet and don't know if I will. Uh, the Bears keep their personnel very well guarded these days. Hopefully the new regime with Kevin Warren at the top can change some of their really user-unfriendly media restrictions. I'd love to sit down with Matt Eberflus, but I get easily duped, too. I thought the last guy, Matt Nagy, was a very impressive dude, but he was too damn stubborn and didn't realize ever that you still have to run the football to win games. Maybe not necessarily to score points, but to finish the game, you have to run the football. Yeah, I need to see a lot more from Matt Eberflus before I'm on board as well. I would say of the big three, team president Kevin Warren, the former Big Ten commissioner, general manager Ryan Poles, and head coach Matt Eberflus, it's the last one. It's the head coach who I am least in on of these three. I'm with you, brother. Uh, Great time talking to you yesterday. Let's do it again, my friend. Thanks for the time. I love that. Thanks for having me on today, man. Have a good weekend, Doc. Well, it's weekend. It's Tuesday. What am I saying? Just working so hey, hard early this worked, week, I don't know what to do. I work two hours a week or two hours a day. Every night's Friday night and every day Saturday, big boy. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thanks, Danny Mac. Have a good Thank Get the you, Danny man. Mac podcast sponsored by Bet Rivers. I'm telling you, it's informative and it's fun. Don't we want to have fun? When we do all this, Indiana, I got breaking news when we come back. I do a uh, very odd uh, breaking news when we come back. There's, it, it, Yeah, I'm a little shocked by this. We'll be right back. Stay right here. Tell your friends. Luke Gold. Put up the, uh, the thing here. Kurt Schilling and Lenny Dykstra. Kurt Schilling Baseball Show. You're going to on Monday nights and Thursday. Friday nights, and it's awesome. Let me tell you something. I would love to get Lenny Dykstra on our show, except you, when I had him on our indie show, it was a legendary, and I mean a legendary show. I taped it, then I ran upstairs and continued the interview to start the show. It, it, we had to bleep so much, the sex stories, the, the depravity of Lenny Dykstra knows no bounds. It does. And you got it. You got to give this a listen. It is absolutely fantastic. You listen to Dykstra. Schilling's awesome, right? But you listen to Dykstra. It is, yes. Jennifer on the YouTube chat says, Lenny Dykstra is a damn mess. There is no bigger mess than Lenny Dykstra. None. Zero. Zero. Nada. Tuesdays and Fridays, my apologies. I thought it aired last night. Tuesdays and Fridays is when Schilling's baseball show goes, and it's fantastic. All right. Man, oh, man, the combine is here, so we got all of it. Here's what I'm learning. C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson will all throw during the combine. Bryce Young will not And he's going to throw on Bama's pro day, and I don't blame him. He's going to go through all the measurements. He's going to do the combine thing. But here's the reason why. You ready, ladies and gentlemen? If I am C.J. Stroud, I want to be the first pick in the draft. 
That's why he's doing it. The other two are doing it because their agent and their people know that Will Levis and Anthony Richardson are going to wow everyone with arm strengths and speed, uh, accuracy and issue for Richardson. But Colts fans, Colts fans, I'm telling you, we cannot get duped here. We cannot get duped. I'm just saying, don't make me crazy, Colts fans. We cannot get duped by a strong arm, sorry, playing, leading Will Levis. We cannot get duped. We No, we can't. We shall not. I want, if I'm going to pick a guy, I'm going to take Bryce Young in the first round, and I'm going to pick a quarterback that I like in the third round. People don't know this. Well, they actually do, excuse me, if they paid attention. They, Colts, with Ryan Grigson, drafted Andrew Luck first. And this is not, I'm not breaking news here. This has been, you know, NFL.com reported this. Everybody reported it. Grigson was going to take Russell Wilson in the third round. He was. He was going to take Russell Wilson in the third round. And you know what? The, The Seahawks took him before because, hey, look, everybody in the NFL knows what fans knows. Running quarterbacks get blasted. And to Danny Mac's point, running quarterbacks haven't exactly hoisted a Super Bowl, but I would argue yet. I don't think Bryce Young is a running quarterback. I don't think that Bryce Young is just a um, uh, clone of Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes may be the all-time greatest quarterback. But you know what? And and to me, I, <clears throat> I don't see it that way. I see if you're going to draft Bryce Young, you better draft another quarterback that you really like, not a – Jacob Eason, or a Sam Ellinger, you better draft a quarterback that you really like. No. Uh, Combine, combine, combine this. Combine excellence. We cannot get duped, Colts fans. We cannot. We shall not. I will not allow it. I will not allow our guy, uh, Chris Ballard, to dupe us with crap. I will not allow it. Cannot do it. So if all of a sudden Will Levis starts throwing the ball and Anthony Richardson starts throwing the ball and you start reading from the local idiots that, hey, God, they're great. No. If they were great, and I mean great, both of their teams would have competed better. If they were great, Will Levis is apparently loaded, although they lost their running back, Rodriguez, would not have been among the disappointing teams in the country. If they were great, the offensive coordinator at Florida wouldn't have been fired. I mean, don't at me with greatness. Do not do that because I shall not buy it. I will not buy it. I cannot buy it. There's no chance I'm buying the greatness of a combine guy. Stop it. Stop it. Trubisky. Lance, Locker, Mayfield, come on. I mean, I can go more if you would like. Hell, Jordan Love, what's he done? Jury's out. He gets the benefit of the Favre Rodgers, but what's he done? I mean, the woods is full. You could actually argue Carson Wentz. They moved up for Carson Wentz, who, by the way, just got released. Don't fall for combine magic. Don't even think about it. Wait a second. What is this? Why am I on my TV? 
Don't fall for Will Levis. Look, the film don't lie. And smart guys, Sam Ponder, I love her. Worked with her. I, got, I, I loved working with her. All right? I met Christian. Great guy. Christian was like third, fourth round. He goes, he interviews, arm strength. Everybody loves him. Went to the nitty-gritty with Christian and Sam and Tariko and Bart Fox and all of our producers. Went to the nitty-gritty, all right, in Madison. Met Christian, great guy, but you could tell within two minutes that I'm not following this guy. Same thing with Jake Locker. Same thing. Now, you talk to Andrew Luck, and you know he's got other interests than football, which would curtail his career, But the fact of the matter is, you want to follow that guy. You just do. Babe Laufenberg. Babe Laufenberg played a long time. I remember sitting there, just one brief meeting. I'm like, oh, man, that's a pretty good dude. There are just some guys you want to follow, and there are just some guys you don't. And not that they're bad guys, but if Will Levis, Anthony Richardson were the guy then, ladies and gentlemen, they would have had more success, not necessarily with their team. I mean, Levis cost his team. I mean, let's just be honest. Levis cost, and you don't want a guy that's costing your team. I'm sorry, you just don't. You want a guy at quarterback that's elevating everybody, and I don't know how clearly I can say this. Waiting on Clay Travis to join us. He's going to join us by phone. The boss will all sit straight. But the truth of the matter is, um, don't get duped. And I'm not just talking about the Colts. I'm talking about your team, too. Your team can't get duped. Your team shouldn't get duped. Whoever your team is. Man, the workout warriors. Holy crap. Ben Banagoo. Any of you ever heard the name Ben Banagoo? Ben Banagoo is a great kid. Ben Banagut was drafted before, you can just take a pick, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, uh, the, the Terry McLaurin, you can name a million guys that lineman, defensive end, defensive linebacker, athlete, smart guy, Stanford, blah, 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 blah. Ben Banagut was drafted ahead of. Why? Because Ben Banagut checked all the boxes. Smart, tough, workout, no problem, Yeah. The one box Ben Banigou has not been able to check, getting on the field. And as Colts fans, we got to sit there and look at A.J. Brown playing. We got to sit there and look at D.K. Metcalf, Terry McLaurin going up and beating Stephon Gilmore for a ball, and the commanders beat the Colts. We got to watch all that crap. While we got Ben Banigou, again, active scratch. So don't get... Don't let be vocal if your team drafts the, quote, good guy. Don't buy into it. Screw that. You can be a good guy and have a 90-inch vertical. Let me know. I see, I see the phone. Let me know if the boss is, uh, is uh, ready to go. But the truth of the matter is don't get duped by Will Levis. Don't do it. Period. And if you do, that's on you. And if the Colts do, and Will Levis isn't any good in his first year, can we please get rid of Chris Ballard?
Is Clay with us, Dylan? Hey, Clay, uh, did you survive all of the, uh, the frat boys at Alabama hating on you? Are you okay mentally? Do you need time? Do you need Play-Doh, safe space? What do you need? Uh, pillow, maybe a sippy cup, um, and, um, and Shrek movie. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I am good. I'm a uh, big believer in the marketplace of ideas. People can say whatever insults they feel I deserve for any opinion that I have. And unlike, uh, most of the people in the state of Alabama, um, I will not immediately scream defamation, um, and, uh, and rush to file lawsuits uh, when people say mean things about me. So, uh, Look, I'm right. Um, and uh, when you're right, um, and by the time I go public with any opinion, uh, I'm very confident in the facts and uh, in what I am, uh, my ability to analyze them and what I think is the, the right choice, whether it's I just heard you talking about Will Levis. Uh, I don't buy into the Will Levis hype. I've watched every Kentucky football game, at least part of it, pretty much over the past a uh, couple of years when he's been playing for them, I, I don't buy into the, the idea that he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback. I like, uh, based on all the college football that I watched last year, I really like Bryce Young. I think he's the best quarterback by far in this draft. I'm a little bit concerned about his size um, and durability, uh, but in terms of his ability to, uh, to see the field, to make the throws that are necessary, I have 100% confidence in him there. And uh, then the player that I would say that I saw – that was the highest ceiling um, in terms of what he's capable of doing, it was Anthony Richardson. Um, but uh, obviously Florida's quarterback, um, you know, when you break him down, and, and I know you're up in Indy with the combine going on, which I always think is a fun time of the year for sports fans, especially football fans. Um, I, I think Anthony Richardson is a man in four years in the NFL. He could be Josh Allen, and you could be looking around saying, my goodness, this guy is just an absolute stud. He's almost impossible to stop with his size and speed combo. Um, and uh, I also think you could be looking around and saying, uh, wait a minute, why did anybody ever draft this guy in the, uh, in the first round? He has uh, no consistency, and he hasn't been able to develop it at all in the pro level either. So, uh, those are the, the two guys that, to me, are the three guys, I guess, breaking it down in the SEC that I watch play a great deal uh, that, uh, that I have the strongest opinions about. You know, Hendon Hooker, I obviously watched every game that he played um, with the University of Tennessee over the past couple of years. I think the question is uh, for him, you know, with this Josh Heupel offense, Drew Locke had a lot of success uh, in Josh Heupel's offense as well and has not materialized in the, uh, in the NFL uh, game. And so I'm a little bit nervous just about the, the hypo offense translating into the NFL. Uh, those would be, I guess, the four uh, that I watched play by far the most. Obviously, I've seen C.J. Stroud play a lot, too. Um, but, uh, but, but those are the ones that I have the strongest take on. I'm going to go back to the Alabama thing because you're the guy <laughs> as a yeah. lawyer that I, I need to talk to. So Billis comes out, and I know what happens. you got to understand the basketball media. The basketball media, particularly white basketball media, has to be very safe these days. And Billis went safe. Billis, you know, defended like he does the player. But let's go to the rights of a player. What are the rights of Brandon Miller? Well, there's a difference between his legal rights and his rights as a right. player. 
um, you know, playing basketball, being on the court representing a university is a privilege. Uh, and as you well know, and anybody out there who is a fan of college athletics knows, it's very common for guys to get suspended for violating team rules, for failing a drug test, for uh, not having high enough grades and not you know, going to class, uh, for disrespecting coaches in practice, for, I mean, there's all sorts of reasons for getting into arguments or fights with teammates uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I mean, you name it, and there has been a suspension of a player probably for it at some point in time over the last, you know, just 10 or 15 years. So you don't have a right to play for a university. And college coaches and universities regularly suspend players for relatively trivial uh, off-the-court or off-the-field-related issues. Uh, every uh, American, every citizen uh, in the United States has the right to due process in a criminal uh, court context. What I think uh, Jay Billis did was intentionally distort the difference between the two, uh, because if Alabama, I mean, does Darius Miles, I mean, yeah, that would be an easy question for Jay Billis, right? Darius Miles um, has not been convicted of anything. Uh, he might end up beating the charges against him of, uh, of, of murder, right? Maybe his self-defense claim works. But Alabama has suspended Darius Miles and kicked him out of the university. Uh, you know, so that's an easy example of, well, Darius Miles still has the right to be presumed, you know, innocent, right? That is the foundation of our judicial system. Um, yet Alabama has decided that they cannot be represented by him. So, uh, so I think Jay Billis, um, frankly, I haven't trusted Jay Billis, and I, and I talked about this. I mean, once he was willing to embrace the lie of the Duke volleyball player, uh, the, uh, the player who alleged that a racial slur had been hurled at her throughout a match at BYU, which is, based on all the evidence, 100% not true. It did not occur. Once Jay Billis was willing to accept that lie because of who was telling the lie, a black woman who played at Duke and was afraid to contradict her, uh, I have no respect for Jay Billis's opinions anymore because he's been willing to lie to me uh, in order to further his career and protect himself. Why would I trust him on any issue going forward? I think Jay Billis is a coward. Jay Billis started this two years ago. Like, I worked, and I know Jay, and I like Jay, but Jay started this two years ago when Jalen Johnson left Duke, and people said, well, you know, his camp, and then Jay tried to tell all of us that the word camp relative to an athlete or anybody is racist, and I started laughing. I go, well, it may be in your world, but everybody's got a camp or a crew, whatever the hell you want to say. Jay started then. He's, he made a switch, and you know what? He's going to be around a long time because he's not – uh, going to mess up. Let me go this route with you. Um, do you think, because I'm starting to believe this, and I, I, I hate to give my opinion to a guest, but I'm going to do it here. I'm starting to think that Brandon Miller, and I hate using this world, word, is, a, is, is evil. I, when you take the pat-down <laughs> deal that caught, and then you put it on your Twitter profile, you're kind of sticking it to the, the victim's family. He's 20 years old. He's not a child. I, 
Clay, I'm starting to feel this way, and I don't want to feel this way about anybody except the Murdoch's. Well, the I, Murdoch's I think, are evil. Yeah. I think um, the, the fact that the University of Alabama employs probably 100 people in their athletic department and nobody thought all week long, hey, let's make sure that we don't do the weapons check introduction for Brandon Miller is an indictment of the culture at the University of Alabama. But it's certainly an indictment of Brandon Miller and his teammate who did it too. Like, neither one of them thought, oh, you brought a loaded handgun to a murder scene. Maybe we should stop the weapons check uh, at the introduction. Um, And I know Nate Oates said he didn't watch it, but he has like 15 assistant coaches. Like, none of them have ever seen this happen before. And he's like, well, I'm drawing up plays, uh, you know, when the team's being introduced. Really? Like, I, I don't know that I even buy that. What, what, what new plays are you coming up with in the 45 seconds when uh, the teams are being introduced? Um, I, I think even that is a, is a strange answer for why he wasn't aware of it. Uh, but look, I mean, I, I think ultimately this comes down to the question of what is uh, unacceptable behavior for a student athlete to engage in that is no longer allowing you to represent the school. Clearly for Alabama, Darius Miles uh, is beyond that pale, right? He's no longer able to represent the University of Alabama because of what he did. Uh, To me, Brandon Miller driving a gun after receiving a text message from what was probably a drunk teammate about how he needed his gun because of how people were treating him to a street corner in Tuscaloosa nearly at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, if you go read his, uh, his uh, attorney statement, the attorney does not say that he was unaware that a gun was in the car. So effectively, he is delivering a weapon to a murder scene. Uh, that is beyond the pale to me, the fact that anyone would defend his ability to continue to play basketball for the University of Alabama is, I think, utterly indefensible. I've not defended anybody on our on our uh, website. I have said Nate Miller should, or excuse me, Nate Oates should be fired, and I believe Nate Oates should be fired. I will say this: when you are the head coach, and I've been in this situation, it is plausible what he was talking about. He should have known. They should, and the little white dude uh, should have not been an idiot as well. But you do sit there and you're like, all right, you know, while the players are being introduced, I'm going to go one o- once over our first offensive set or what I want to do. I want the last thing for them to see is on a board what we are doing to start the game. It might be a tip play, you know, that you run. So I'm going to give yeah. Oates that. I still think I would have fired him uh, immediately. I, I, well, look, I, look I, you have I three guys. Think, I don't think it's just. I don't think it's just Oates, right? Um, the fact that the athletic right, director right. and the school president would sign off on this is, to me, a failure of the adults to handle this situation, right? And in particular, the university president. Like, he's got to own this. If you're the AD and you're the coach, you might be worried about how fans are going to respond to you. I think those guys are behaving in a cowardly fashion. But what happens in a basketball season if you are the University of Alabama president is a blip on the radar of the overall university. 
And so you have to have the stewardship of the entire university. I mean, look, I said this, and I don't think right. it's gotten enough discussion. Uh, there were eight shots fired by, uh, allegedly, I believe, the, uh, uh, the Darius Miles gun. His friend fired eight shots. Um, and then there were at least three or four that were fired uh, in response to that, right? Uh, two of which had Brandon Miller's car. What would the response at the University of Alabama be if four undergrads who were out, you know, that night coming out of bars and restaurants had gotten killed? Would Brandon Miller be playing at all? I think the answer is certainly not. Now, the mom who got killed is a tragedy, but I think the university president, if three or four University of Alabama students had been shot and killed, which could have easily happened given the number of bullets that were flying around. Uh, I think the university president would have certainly said anybody involved with this from a student capacity, whether you brought the gun there, whether it was your gun, you can no longer be affiliated with the University of Alabama. So my thing on this is it's an easy call for the university president, and I think he should be ashamed over it. Um, 11 shots fired in a downtown area. All right, I'm going to go to two things. I've said forever, why do we pander to 18 to 23-year-olds? You do need to protect your institutions. Let me ask you, I'm going back to Billis. He said if you do something now, then you are protecting the university uh, and not the rights of the player. My answer to that is you're damn right I am. If I'm the president, if I'm the board of regents, if I'm the chancellor, whatever they have, you're damn right I'm protecting the students, I'm protecting uh, professors, RAs, workers. You're damn right I'm protecting over the quote-unquote rights of an 18- to 23-year-old. You should protect the institution. Oh, 100%. And I, mean, I would just say take it outside of the Darius Miles-related incident uh, and Brandon Miller-related incident. How many kids have gotten kicked out of the University of Alabama this year for violating in some way uh, expectations, right. the student code, uh, behavior-related issues? I mean, I would bet hundreds. I mean, I don't know how many. Were there 25,000 undergrads now at the University of Alabama? I would bet there are several hundred kids that have nothing to do with athletics every single year at the University of Alabama. Portman, all of those things for that exact reason, because ultimately the university has to provide a safe education environment. That is their number one goal. That's the number one pledge that they're making parents with and pay all those tuition dollars. And look, I think the reality is if Brandon Miller averaged three points per game, he would have been kicked off the team, oh. right? I think if Brandon Miller were a walk-on, there is no doubt that he would have been kicked off the team. This is a guy who received preferential treatment because of his extreme athletic abilities. He's a great basketball player. He shouldn't still be representing the University of Alabama on a basketball court. All right, last thing. Um, when... The Indy Star did a hit piece on me. They said that I am relegated to a far-right media conspiracy <laughs> website. What I have learned is, uh, and we are seeing it now with Wuhan. Clay, I did a start to the show where I'm saying, look, we're not in a battle left versus right. We're in a battle of insanity versus sanity. And I played a clip yeah. of Jon Stewart who got vilified 
on uh, Colbert's show for talking very sensibly about the Wuhan virus. Masks, shots, now the Wuhan virus. Uh, your little that you started, I'm proud to be a member of, the OutKick community. I don't know, man. Far-right conspiracies things seem to be synonymous with facts once people pay attention. Yeah, look, uh, the right-wing extremist, whatever argument people want to toss, toss out, right-wing conspiracy theorist, as I was called by Media Matters recently. Uh, I think USA Today called me a right-wing extremist. Well, what right-wing conspiracy theories do I have that haven't been true? Um, you know, right. I mean, that's the question that, that, that I would ask out there. I mean, you know, every question that I've raised has just been based on looking at the deep data, being reasonable, being analytical, and using judgment to try to make the best decisions. Remember, no media member in the country fought harder for college athletics to be played in uh, the, the summer and fall of 2020. Uh, if the regular media out there, I'm sure your buddies at the Indy Star had had their way, the Big Ten would have never played football. Basketball season oh. wouldn't have happened. I mean, the Big Ten is still shutting down uh, games because of COVID. Um, I was right on all that. And so uh, ultimately, look, here's what I believe. The market decides based on whether or not they agree with you. And we have, you know, 20 million readers a month now on OutKick, you know, one of the 10 biggest sports sites on the Internet from zero to 20 million, uh, tens of millions of viewers of video clips from shows like yours and mine and Tommy Laren's and the OutKick 360. And we're expanding that in the near future. Um, and uh, I, I just don't know how else you can point to. Uh, the, the fact that we are saying and, and, and covering stories in a way that is resonating with an audience that is otherwise being underserved. And I think ultimately uh, the, the audience moves towards truth. Um, I think they do. And, uh, and, and I think that's what we've seen uh, certainly at OutKick and in particular with all those things that were called conspiracy theories and right-wing extremism that ended up being 100% right, um, whether it's kids don't need to wear masks in schools, whether it's you can play sports safely without kids dying, uh, which, uh, which is where I started, right, because, uh, because of, of, of coming out of the sports arena. Um, but, uh, but, you know, all those things. Uh, where did COVID come from? I think a Chinese lab, as uh, the Department of Energy uh, now believes and the FBI believes. Uh, and evidently, the CIA is close to believing, um, you know, these are not organizations that are inclined uh, to, to just line up with right wing extremist views, especially when they're representing at this time the Biden administration. Um, and uh, and I think you just go on down the list. You know, the fact that the covid shot doesn't stop or prevent the spread of covid, uh, the fact that masks in general appear to have virtually zero impact at the spread of covid. Um you know, all of it, the fact that we should have never locked down, the fact that schools should have never shut down, all those things that I was arguing, uh, I'm, I'm quite confident that our uh, our history is going to continue to judge me kindly. And certainly the marketplace out there already is, because that's why we have tens of millions of readers and listeners every month now. Last, last thing, you got the number one pick. You're the Chicago Bears. You trading, you drafting a quarterback, bottom line. Um, well, I mean, I, I, they know Justin Fields far better than I do. 
to me, the question is, are you committed to Justin Fields? You still got three years under his rookie contract. If you think he can be a stud top 10 quarterback, I take it. I keep him and I get the, the Kings ransom for the number one overall pick. If I'm not convinced Justin Fields is the guy, I'm trading Justin Fields, getting as much value for him as I can, and taking uh, and taking who I who I told you uh, is the best player I've seen in college football this past year and the past couple of years, Bryce Young, number one overall. Hey man, I kept you too long. Appreciate you jumping on. Thanks, Clay. Thanks, man. Keep up the good work. See y'all. That's the boss, Clay Travis. We'll be right back. I'm a little surprised it took this long. Guy on the YouTube chat went and said that it is racist what I am saying and Clay is saying uh, about Brandon Miller. I'm surprised it took that long. What the hell? I mean, come on. You got to be better than that, man. You know that. You got to be better than that. You got to be better. We need everything that we say that you disagree with must be defined as racist. Come on, bring it strong. You can bring it stronger than that. Where's this guy at? He's saying, well, but you want to kick a player off a team for his buddy leaving a legal firearm in his car. So right wing. Oh, I forgot his ethnicity. Nestas, whatever. Everything that you disagree with, sports bar bouncer, it's got to be racist. Automatic. Just let's start with that, can we? If Clay Travis says it, Dan Dockage, Kurt Schilling, it's automatically racist. Because we don't judge people by the content of their character, right? Isn't that what they say? We judge them by skin color. I would argue the other way. I would argue that I, we, judge people by the content of their character. And you all judge them as racist by the content of, by the color of their skin. That's on you, not me. So yeah, bring it. Everything we say, everything we do is racist when you don't agree or it involves an African-American and we don't say, oh, it's all right. Oh, it's okay. Ah, you know what? You brought a gun. The gun shot eight, eight times as Clay just said. Ah, it's okay. Yeah, you're black. It's good. It's no problem. I'm a white guy. Don't, that ain't me, bro. I was grown, I was born in Gary, Indiana. We had black, white, green, purple, orange. We had uh, Serbians, Polish. We had small farms of white, poor people. We had get we had it all, and I learned to treat people the same. So you guys go ahead and judge people by their skin color. I'll go by their actions and the content of their character. Oh, my God. Saying African-American racist, what are you hiding? I'm hiding everything. There are so many skeletons in my closet, I cannot even begin to tell you. Let's talk about Indiana taking on the Iowa Hawkeyes. I can't wait. Tonight, it's going to be fun. We got Fran Khan coming in, and if you remember the last time, Fran Khan went nose-to-nose with little, one of the little punk assistants at Indiana. All right? 
And then, of course, Connor McCaffrey got in there, and it became a bit of a thing. So I assume that Fran Con will get his tonight in Bloomington. But I got to tell you something else. Nobody really cares. Like, the little frat boy at Indiana, little frat girl or sorority girl or little Kelly School of Business person yelling and screaming at you. As I said, you just look at them and you go, two things. Man, be easy to beat your ass. And two, why am I letting some guy that's going to be like a DoorDash guy living downtown Indy on his mommy's and daddy's dime in a year bother me? Don't let any of it bother you. Here's the slate tonight. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know why, but I can't root for Duke. I am not sure why, but I cannot root for Duke. I have a hard time rooting for Duke. I can't root for Duke. I don't root for Duke. I won't root for Duke. I'm sorry. I don't know why. I, I, I look at John Shire as an undeserving head coach at Duke. I, that's finally it. Nolan Smith, when he was there, was a little pain in the ass. Now he's at uh, Louisville ruining that program. I didn't like him either. He said bad things about me on Twitter. But I look at John Shire as an undeserving coach at Duke, and I'm not sure why. I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm not right. So I can't really root for him. And their assistant coach, um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know, but he's a guy named Shragi. He hired my son, which I'm indebted to. But he also told my son, this little former manager twerp, uh, don't leave, you're being disloyal when, in, when Andrew left Elon, where Shragi was the head coach and Andrew was his director of ops, making about 45 grand a year. Andrew left and was going to Illinois State where he was going to be a full-time assistant. And, ladies and gentlemen, he was going to double his money and be on the road recruiting. All right. So this guy, Shragi, who sits next to as you're facing Schreier, he's about a 35-year-old bald guy. His dad wears a horrible toupee. But anyway, this guy told my son, you're being disloyal. My son knew that Shragi was getting ready to leave and go to Duke. I don't like these young guys at Duke. I like Chris Carowell a lot, recruited him. I don't like him. Shragi also told my son, don't be like your dad. And my son started laughing. Uh, He was going to say, well, he could be like your dad and have America's worst toupee. But I don't like these guys. I got nothing for these guys. So I hope Duke loses tonight. I don't think they're going to lose tonight. Um, But I kind of hope they do. I'm kind of done with the little Duke thing. You know, Duke was interesting when Kay was there. Now we're, well, Kay's found his life outside of basketball. What's, who gives a rat's ass? I'm serious. Tennessee, Nick Smith is back. Guess who's back? Nick Smith is back for Arkansas, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Smith is back. He had 20-some on 23 shots. I mean, Nick Smith's not afraid. Ricky Council for Arkansas and Nick Smith are a formidable duo. Kansas is going to beat the crap out of Texas Tech. Take that one. And Virginia Clemson, Virginia got boat raced. I mean, belly swamped, whatever you call it, uh, by North Carolina, North Carolina team that may be peaking. Who knows? But I still think they're soft. Uh, But the game of the night, ladies and gentlemen, and let me tell you why. Here's something you got to look at in college basketball. These are 18 to 23-year-old kind of pain-in-the-ass entitled kids, okay? Nice kids, but a little bit pain-in-the-ass entitled. And at Indiana, when you win a big game, you celebrate like you're going to the NCAA tournament. All of a sudden, the assistant, the bag man for Indiana, a guy named Yasir, I forget his last name, Rosemont, Richmond, whatever his name is, we're the new Indiana 
Indiana's tied for second, which is also like tied for sixth in the Big Ten. And we celebrate that as the new Indiana. Well, here's the deal. Indiana has to bounce back from a big win. And on the campus of Indiana, and this may be sexist, but this is the reality. Man, when you had a big win, you're lucky when your phone, when your phone number was in the phone book back in the day. In the dorm, you kept your door open because all of a sudden, a bunch of really hot little girls are going to start walking by your dorm room. People are going to tell you how great you are. The best thing Bob Knight ever did, ladies and gentlemen, the best thing he did was move on from this game to that game. Big win, great. Get out of here. I don't want to hear it. It's what we're supposed to do at Indiana. Bad loss, get in here. We're going to practice at 5 in the morning. Bob Knight was not afraid to let you know that the expectations at Indiana, ladies and gentlemen, are just a little different. Let's go to Iowa. You saw the game. You know what happened. Iowa coming back, historic comeback, right? Can they handle success? Can they handle being better? Can they handle Man, what an unbelievable comeback. Iowa had lost at Northwestern, got killed, had lost at Wisconsin, and then were getting drubbed and came back and won. Does it change their season, or was it an aberration? I think it's an aberration. I do. I, I, I'm sorry. I think it's an aberration. When you look at Iowa's scores, lost by 12 at Wisconsin, lost by 20 at Northwestern. They haven't beaten really good teams. They beat Minnesota. They beat Ohio State. They did beat way back, way back, Rutgers, Northwestern, and Illinois way back at the beginning of January. Now, bottom line is this. Can they handle the crowd in Bloomington? Because it's going to be wacko tonight. It's going to be bananas, and it's going to be great. I will take Indiana tonight as part of my parlay. I got to tell you, I watched this inside basketball on CBS Sports Network. It is They got a woman named Sarah Kustak up there that knows nothing. They got Roy Hibbert up here. It's the worst show on television. Gary Parrish, awful. But I got to tell you, nothing was worse than the NBA on ESPN Sunday night. Beth Mowens is great. Her partner, Richard Jefferson, had no idea what was going on. It was like he was high. Swear to God. It was like he was doped up. And then they had some young lady at halftime that asked Steve Kerr, and Steve Kerr looked at her like, well, you know, uh, Anthony Edwards seems to be scoring a lot of points. How we-? Steve Kerr looked at her like, what an idiot. And then they went to that Malika Andrews at halftime or, or for a cut-in, and, oh, my God, look at the windmill dunk. What are we doing? It was the worst broadcast. In fact, I will tell you, it was so bad that I kept watching. No, it was true. It was Sunday night. It was uh, Golden State against Minnesota. It was so awful with diversity hires that I, I could not stop watching. I couldn't do it. I could not stop watching Sunday night uh, ESPN, NBA. It was so horrible. Honest to God. So Billis tonight, because Billis wants to, you know, whatever. Uh, and some guy named Brian Custer. Brian Custer is the play-by-play guy tonight for ESPN. He's horrible. Guys from the truck that I worked with on Super Tuesday text me and say, can you believe this idiot and what he's doing? He's auditioning. And then you got a bigger idiot on the sideline named Myron Metcalf. This clown wants to be noticed so bad that see if he does it tonight. He, we- he wears 
a sequin. Is that what those things are that, that are shiny on a coat? Coat. So that he can be noticed. And if anybody at ESPN disagrees with this idiot, Myron Metcalf, he immediately goes to um, HR. Oh my God, they're racist. That's this idiot. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. Thank God for me pointing out the the foibles of everybody else. That's what I do, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Woody Harrelson, stock up. Let's go to Woody Harrison's monologue from the other day. This is awesome. Hey, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is going to believe that crazy idea? Is he, do I, is he still talking? Because I, I lost him. It's on me, it's, it's on mute. So I'm talking now. All right, well, uh, Woody Harrelson just ripped Pfizer and the farmer, we can keep playing it. I would like to hear him. I mean, let's play the whole thing because the entire crowd uh, went silent. They didn't know what they were hearing. It was freaking awesome. He went nuts on big, what's that? Oh, all right. Well, he went nuts on big pharma. And um, I, I, I got to tell you, it was sensational, and everybody sat there and went, oh, man, is he really saying this? How do we react? I'm telling you, people are starting to see the light. They just are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I got another stock up. Brian, Brian Cranston, who made some completely idiotic comments uh, the other day about slavery in the United States, about Germany. I mean, by, Brian Cranston... Uh, is a great actor, but I'm not listening to any of these little blank shows, and I don't care. Like, I don't care what actors do. It doesn't matter to me. But the show, Your Honor, on Showtime is must-watch. It's one of those shows where you go, holy crap, why'd they stop it? I mean, whoa! Honest to God. Um... What? I'm telling you. And they got a guy, and if you watch the show, there's a guy in it, uh, uh, Jimmy Baxter. He's a thug. He's a gangster, all this stuff. Jimmy looks, and you're going to tell me I'm right, like the perfect double for Eddie Munster as an adult. You can't stop watching this. You're like, this is Eddie Munster. I don't know his name. I don't know, but in the show, he's Jimmy Baxter. He's a mobster. He's a thug. He, he has no remorse about killing friends, whatever. But I'm telling you. This dude is the double for Eddie freaking Monster. Money Monster. Uh, honest to God. All right. Stock down. Fran McCaffrey. Hey, look. Uh, Fran Khan is just, you know what? Um, the stare. Um, I, I, the stare. I've seen a lot of stuff. I, w- I punched a cooler. 
I screamed, I yelled, I broke things. But this is the most chicken blank thing I've ever seen. And Kelly Pfeiffer, uh, it would literally take Kelly Pfeiffer two seconds to throw him down, kick him in the nuts, and away Fran McCaffrey went. It wouldn't even be close. But Fran Khan loses his mind. And then he's like, yeah, well, uh, I did it for a reason. Okay, well, good for you. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, in my lifetime, I've never seen anything dumber, more childish from a coach. And, I, and if the Big Ten doesn't want to step in, God bless you. And the children of the corn, the corn people, are coming at me hard. Well, you, you, I don't even know what I did wrong. I've always done stuff wrong to corn folk. But this guy is out of hand. He's out of control. Stock down. Stock down to Joe Biden. It does not matter. If our stocks are going to be down, and of course the market took another hit because inflation is rising, um, I got to tell you, stock down. He said the other day, I may be white, but I'm not dumb. He said the other day about the black church again. He said the other day about how he wanted to put a ski at the end of his name because he wanted to be Polish when he was in Poland. I mean, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. It is amazing to me. Um, it is unbelievable to me that this guy is our president. Hey, look, if my stock is going to go down, then let it go down. And you're going down, too, on my stock. Down. He's an idiot. I want to put a ski at the end of my name. I'm Polish. My family didn't have a ski at the end of their name, you idiot. My mother's maiden name was Wurzba, you clown. What is wrong with you people that you actually voted for this guy? What is, what is seriously wrong with you? I think we have in our country something wrong with our people. I, I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm for Clint. Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard, stock down. Chris Ballard... Uh, just because Chris Ballard, to me, should always have stock down. Chris Ballard is getting ready to screw us. Chris Ballard is getting ready to jilt us. Do we have the graphic from Warren Sharp about the money that the Colts have spent on the offense? Colts have spent the most money over the last four years on their offense, the most, like $409 million, the most in the NFL. This guy gave 20 plus million to a left guard. This guy gave 20 million to a center. Both of them stink. Nice guys. I love Ryan uh, Kelly, great guy. Quentin Nelson, my daughter hangs with him and his friends, uh, my daughter's boyfriend. This guy spent the most over the last four years, four years on the offense. One playoff win when they had Andrew Luck, I guess, four years ago. I don't think there's any. Zero AFC South championships. Zero home playoff games. I don't know what. Here it is. Now, let me ask you a question. $409 million on the offense the last four years. $409 million. Now, in Indiana, they're going to tell you how great this guy is. Stock down. At least they've been in the playoffs a few times 
they being Dallas, uh, at least Aaron Rodgers had led them uh, in the last four years to the NFC Championship game. Can we put that back up? This is absolute malpractice. Malpractice. San Francisco's in the top ten, pretty good. Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, they've won a little bit. Cleveland, malpractice. Las Vegas, malpractice. Tennessee's been at least the number one seed. Uh, Washington, malpractice. Stock down, Chris Ballard, worst general manager in the league, yet the media will tell you he's the best general manager in the league. Just look at that. Jimmy Ursay does not want to pay two guys, Reich and Ballard, a boat ton of money and admit that this was a colossal failure. But when you look at those numbers and the awful draft picks, I don't know how to say this guy is anything but a colossal disaster. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Caitlin Clark of Iowa. Stock way up, baby. Stock way up. Did you see the three that she hit to beat Indiana at the buzzer? I got to tell you, when you're great, and she's great, and Indiana's great. Indiana's going to the women's Final Four, by the way. Indiana may win a national championship, and it took a buzzer beater by Caitlin Clark to get it done. When you are great, great things happen to you. Home game, last one, last shot, honor court, whap. Game winner over the number two team in the country. Pretty impressive. I would like, my wife has a big problem with this. My wife has a big problem with women chest bumping. She's like, come up with your own thing. I don't know. Eh, I don't know. Hey, when we come back, I've got top five Tuesday. Here's the deal. I got some nuggets for the NCAA tournament that I think you're really going to like. Tell your friends, retweet the show. We got to get more viewers. Thanks for watching. YouTube is jumping. Top five nuggets. I don't think you're going to believe some of the things I'm going to tell you coming up here in a minute. Uh, I have got an unbelievable video to show. With eight sec- Here's what happened. With eight seconds to go, a guy named Tom Reif called a timeout. As his team gathered near the bench, he turned around, climbed up, and here's what happened. Watch this. Look at this. Look at this coach. I love it. You know, people are going to blame the coach, right? And people are going to say, hey, look, uh, the coach should never have done it. Of course he should never have done that. Uh, But sometimes you just got to. I did it once at Kent. Some guy was walking off, some little sweater guy. He he really said nasty things to me. I said, come on back here and beat the crap out of you. So he came back. And he got to the point of, like, I, I, I got to where I was. I go, let's go. And he turned and walked away. Hey, good for Tom Reif. I'm all in on Tom Reif. Hell yes. 
hell yes. I'm all in on it. Yes, sir. All right. Top five for Tuesday. You ready? Here's some NCAA nuggets that I think you're going to like. You ready? Here we go. All right. Number five. Man, oh, man. Dusty May is a former manager at Indiana for us. I think I was there one year with him. I don't know. Dusty May is the head coach of Florida Atlantic. Not Florida State, not University of Florida. Florida Atlantic. Dusty May's teams is 26-3. and 26-3 and is what Florida Atlantic is. Now, Florida Atlantic is, quote, out of the tournament right now or on the bubble. Now, you guys are going to say this. Well, you know, they haven't beaten anybody. I don't care who they beat. I don't care who they haven't beaten. They're in Conference USA. They are a team that I guarantee you none of these clowns in the, in the Power 5 League want to play. So he pieced together what every schedule he could. He beat Florida at Florida. Now, I don't know about you, but, hey, he beat Florida at Florida. He's beaten North Texas. He's beaten UAB. He's beaten North, Northern Kentucky. I'm not saying these are great wins, but 26-3, and three, I'm putting him in the tournament. I would be very, very bad. Very, very bad on the selection committee because I would do it understanding mid-major and the toughness of scheduling and how hard it is to win on the road. I don't care who you are. It is hard to win on the road. And the fact of the matter is 26-3, and you're in. I don't even want to hear it. You're in. But they're not. They should be. I hope they get in. 26-3. and three. Southern Miss, shout out. Now, all we've heard about Southern Mississippi is what? What have we heard? All we've heard is Brett Favre stole money to give the Southern Miss volleyball facility where his daughter played. But did you know that Southern Miss in the Sun Belt won the Sun Belt? Now, why is that a big deal? That's not a big deal. Why is that a big deal? You want me to tell you? Would you like for me to tell you why that is a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because they were picked by the idiots in the media 13th out of 14 teams. I'm going to say that again. 13th out of 14 teams. Now, I don't know about you, but Jay Ladner is the national coach of the year. Jay Ladner is, uh, I don't know, he's the Sun Belt Coach of the Year, but he should be the Coach of the Year. You're picked 13th by these idiots. And next thing you know, you win the league, and it's a good league. The Sun Belt's a good league. So at the end of the day, Jay Ladner should be the Coach of the Year in the country. 13th out of 14 teams. You know what I'd do? I'd put him in the NCAA tournament just for the Sam and Henry of it. They get what they deserve, and they deserve to be in a tournament. Period. What are we talking about? Did you know that there is only one undefeated team in any conference? Only one. Not even 26-3. and three. Not even Florida Atlantic made it through their conference Without a loss. They didn't do it. They got beat twice, I think. So here's the deal. 
That team, ladies and gentlemen, that team is Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts walked through the Summit League undefeated. That's pretty good. Like, that needs to be celebrated. And I'm going to tell you something else. The fact that they're not in the NCAA tournament and that they have to win their conference is crap. Anybody that's ever coached will tell you, will tell you point blank, conference games on the road, I don't care the league, are a mother, a mother, incredibly difficult. I don't want to hear, well, uh, it's only the Summit League. Yeah? Pull this in place, Jingle Bells. The Summit League is every league you are in is tough. Every single one. Colgate beat Syracuse at Syracuse. One loss. Alabama, uh, them of the murderous whatever, one loss. Couple teams, one loss. Oral Roberts, none. Last night, I believe it happened. I'm looking, and I thought that Eastern Washington had a chance to go undefeated in their league, so I'm kind of scouring it here. But they got beat last night, and I don't think – I'm looking this up here. Hang on, caller. I know they got beat because I had the other team in an in-game parlay, Uh, but I thought Eastern Washington was undefeated in their league, but, hey, maybe not. I don't know. There's your only undefeated. They should be in the tournament. uh, A side note, Arch Madness is the best non-Power 5 time. If you live in and around St. Louis or you live within a few miles or you're like me, and you just like hoops, get to St. Louis. It starts Thursday at noon. In fact, oh, actually, it starts Wednesday. But Thursday at noon, I'm going to be right there watching my boy, Andrew Dockich's Eastern, uh, excuse me, Illinois State team take on Northern Iowa as we start the conference tournament season. And I'm telling you right now, right now, if you get the chance, the MAC tournament is great over in Cleveland, and Arch Madness is great over in St. Louis. I'm telling you, I understand. Well, man, I'm a Big Ten guy. I only watch Big Ten teams. Yeah, well, you're an idiot. I try to help here. And then, ladies and gentlemen, last but certainly not least, a record might go down, and it might not. For years, years and years, early 70s, Pistol Pete Maravich has had the NCAA men's scoring record. Now, for whatever the reason, it's not really that big a deal to people. I don't really understand it. I think it's a big deal. Hell, I think that, I don't know, um, I think scoring 1,000 points is a big deal. Now, you got to understand I'm a guy that scored about 300 points. 3,667 points is how many Pistol Pete Maravich scored. Now, it was said in 1970, no shot clock, no three-point line. And like Antoine Davis, former Indiana coach, Mike Davis's son, Antoine is coached by his dad, Mike Davis, at the University of Detroit Mercy. Pistol Pete Maravich was coached by his dad, 
Press Maravich at LSU. It's the Maravich Center. Antoine Davis was a little kid back in the day, little, walking on Mike Davis's shoulders in 2002 when Indiana went to the NCAA Final Four. He is now 25 years old. He, listen to this, I don't know if he's going to make it. He's averaged 34 points a game over his last eight. He is only 63 points away from beating Pistol Pete's record. I'm no good at math. I don't know. But I do know this. If he can average 34 points a game and they win a game and they play tomorrow against IPFW, Purdue-Fort Wayne, he'll break the record if he does what he averages. And that'd be a great thing. I love when records get broken. I do. I think it's fun. I think it's freaking awesome. I think it's entertaining. It's energizing. And Mike Davis, I believe, is a really good guy that is owed an apology by the great state of Indiana basketball fans for the racist crap that they sent. And I read some of the letters back when I was a head coach at Indiana. Racist crap, not on like. But, hey, at the end of the day, that's exciting to me. It is. And congratulate one way or the other. Kids already had his jersey retired. One way or the other, man. Congratulations to Mike Davis. Congratulations to Antoine Davis and the entire Davis family. Because I have always contended they are good people. Good people. Yeah. All right. Who is woke doping us today, Dylan and Ryan? Give me the woke dope. Oh, man. First off, let's just say this. I love the Babylon Bee. Women's History Month canceled for implying there is such a thing as women. <laughs> Look at this idiot holding a sign. You know, one of, the, one of the great things about reading a good novel is they bring you back to where they started, right? That's what our show does. See that right there? Not the not the Babylon Bee, but <laughs> but the woman holding a sign with X woman in it. We are. Tell me I'm wrong, Jennifer. Tell me I'm wrong, Patrick. Tell me I'm wrong. All right, Linda SD. But we are in a battle against insane versus sane. We are. It's a battle. It's an ongoing battle. It is one of those deals where you go, can you ever imagine a woman walking around at a rally with a sign and the boop, Ghostbusters eh, through it? I just want you to think about that for a second. Seriously, just give that a little bit of thought as you're rummaging through your day today. This right here, ladies and gentlemen, is the level we are at in our society. Insanity prevails. And I don't like it. I don't like it at all. We have somehow, some way, got to get back to sanity. We have got to get back where, no, you can't put on makeup and gloss 
and boobs and say you're a woman. Women menstruate. Women have period. Women have incredible health issues that men could never deal with. You can't do it. I'm a woman. No, you're not. You're a dude dressing up as a woman. Now, you want to cut the junk off. You want to tuck it up under. You want to do that? Then, hey, maybe we can get serious about talking about you as a woman. But putting on makeup and dancing on TikTok, it ain't it. I'm sorry. It just isn't it. I feel bad. Um, that's photoshopped. All right, tough. You don't think that that's a real sign. Good for you. I'll never understand. Patrick G., um, as soon as you go, um, I know you're a little batch. Um, good. It's photoshopped. You don't think there's a sign and a woman like that? Why are you defending it? Because we're all different. Good. But don't go claiming you're a woman. It's offensive to women. It is. It's offensive to women. Guy just sent this to me. You know, I know there's a lot of people that don't like me. I know. What? Are you serious? Babylon B is satire? Does he really think this is real? Of course I don't think this is real, but I know the sign is. Don't you? Can't you? Look, can you not listen, Bruce? Senator BS? I know it's a Babylon B, but the sign's real. And if you don't think so, I don't know what to tell you because I've seen the sign. <laughs> People don't know it's satire, Marcellus Smith. Really? You don't think we know it's satire? How dumb are you? See, I want to grow our YouTube into the number one show on YouTube. We got a lot of work to do. Right now, we got 400 people watching. There'll be about a five, seven, eight thousand. I got to get this to 20,000. But we can't have stupid. That sign is fake. No, it's not. And if it is, good. Nah, that sign's real. Nah, that sign's fake. I don't care. But if you don't think that that's how people feel, you're out of your mind. I love it. Here goes Dan with an anti-trans bigotry against, I ain't anti-trans, I'm anti-faking it. And you know what, Rick? I don't give a damn. I don't want to hear, I feel like a woman today. No, you don't. Oh, great. Cut off your penis, go trans, and let's go. Don't put on makeup, eyeshadow. I'm a woman. No, you're not. And I got to tell you, I'm speaking for women right now. I'm not speaking for you, Rick, or any of you other clowns that are trying to be so woke. Well, I'm a white guy. I hate white people. <laughs> we got to do away with white people. You guys are nuts. Absolutely nuts. And by the way, for those of you that are asking, uh, I just got this from a friend of mine at the radio station I used to work out. They lost a quarter of their audience in January, which is a sweet spot. January is a big-time sweet spot for 107.5, the fan. They went from 3.7 to a 3. I'm surprised it's 3, although Indiana basketball has been good. So I'm not rooting for them to fail. I want them to do better. But a guy did send that to me, so, you know. Uh, Van Pasterman, how can somebody feel like a woman who's never been one before? How would they know? Barry Ferguson, they'd rather scream that their feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt. My feelings are hurt. I hate white people. White people bad. White has to be drummed out. Uh, is 
Tropic Thunder a racist movie? I'm going to say yes, just because it's so stupid. Tropic Thunder, Caddyshack 2, and Hail Caesar are the three dumbest movies ever made. Dan, if you're not anti-trans, then why do you talk about it literally all the time? Well, I did two-hour show, Rick, and I didn't talk about it literally all the time. I had Clay Travis on. I had Danny Mac on. I'm talking about it at the end of the show because it's our woke dope segment, Rick. So, Rick, uh, go away. Go cry. Go feel like a tree today. I feel like a tree today. I want to be called Mountain Man because I feel like a mountain. Dan, we need more Urban and McAfee. I've been reaching out to McAfee. And by the way, it's great to get sued. McAfee just got served his papers by Brett Favre. I got served my papers by some D-bags at IU, and I loved it. Doyle made fun of it, but Doyle loved it. It was fun. My uh, attorney and I were drinking Woodford. She was on a call with the attorney for the other people. She put it on speaker, and it was hilarious. Well, I would love to get Dockage on the stand, and I would love to get his brother on the stand. I tell you what, I would eat those guys up. Like, hey, man. Uh, as I always say to people, I'm right here. I'm right here. I'm right here. I'll try to get Portnoy on. I'll try, I've been trying Barkley. I'm trying to be Gar- Barkley's co-host on CNN. He wants Gail King. Why did you ask, is it a racist movie, then have both options is no, because that's what we do, Charlotte, because it's clearly not a racist movie. Uh, Charlotte, you're new to the YouTube chat. Welcome, but it's kind of, my guys on OutKick, Ryan and Dylan, it's kind of parody sometimes. We don't take things so seriously, Charlotte, except one thing we do take seriously is idiots. Why? Well, you're anti-trans because you literally talk about it all the time. Like when I did my radio show in Indy, if I would talk politics for two seconds, that's all Dockage talks about. He just talks about politics. Uh, Hey, Dan, want to know where the image of no women? Sure, you do whatever you want, baby. Is this not a sports show anymore? Never was. Never was. Let me guess, Bo, whatever your name, Bo Cheatham 3, if I was on your side politically, I'm guaranteeing you would say, oh, I love the political slant. Look, this is OutKick. We talk common sense. We talk politics. We talk sports. uh, We talk mostly, though, truth, honesty, and common sense. And if you don't like it, there are certainly, certainly other places that you can go wine. Fred, thank you. Uh, Dan, it is a common sense show. Thank you, El Presidente. You are welcome, Fred. We'll be back at it tomorrow. I'll try to get Portnoy on, see if he will come on. Senator BS, thank you. Dan, if you have to explain it, then they ain't worth your time. Hey, Dan, the show is what Dan wants it to be. I love the out. And look, I love you guys on the YouTube chat. I love it. I do. I love it. 61% of you say that Tropic Thunder is not a racist movie. 38% of you say Tropic Thunder is not a racist movie. 
There you go. I cannot thank you all enough for watching on Twitter and the YouTube chat. Twitter changed its algorithm, so our numbers went down. They changed the Google search way where conservative websites on Google search, we don't get it. So we are building this and we want to continue to build it and build it and build it through YouTube where we just have a blast and we're going to do it every day. Linda, thank you so much. Yes, we do. We bring it every damn day, every day, every day we bring it and every day we are going to bring it. Uh, tomorrow is Wednesday. <laughs> I love, I, I love when Ryan and Dylan do that. Now you got to understand my favorite TV show is 30 rock where you got to pay attention to the subtle jokes that occur in the middle of it. And I'm sure the guys on you, well, you know, 30 rock is so racist. I mean, it's anti everything. They made fun of Obama as it, it's a liber, liberal show, but they make fun of Obama as the do nothing president. And it makes me cry. It does. Get up there, stand up for yourself, tell the woke punks, you're, you're anti-transphobic, to kiss your ass, and let's have a great day. Well, oh, my God. We live in a world in St. Louis where a man loads a gun and shoots a homeless guy in the head. If you want to see it, it's gross. Colin Rugg, C-O-L-L-I-N-R-U-G. Man. We live in a lawless society. It's time for people to take it over. People like me and you. Have a wonderful afternoon, everybody. We'll have a monster again tomorrow. I cannot thank the YouTube chat, our Twitter viewers. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful afternoon. We do. We got to sell Don't At Me gear. I'm getting Don't At Me gear sold. I'm getting it done. It'll be on the BSN Sports website. Love you, Jennifer. I'm a grifter, according to Patrick. Yes, I am. Grift away as I go out to my boat, on my dock, on my home, on a lake. You're damn right, Patrick. Thanks for watching. You don't go after others for lying and then lie yourself. I'm a liar. I'm out.